0: Reminder of what we have in Christ. Let's go to our Heavenly Father once more this morning in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you have shown us in Christ, for the love that we get to sing about and we get to worship of you for showing us this morning. Father, Lord, we were helpless in our sin, and yet you rescued. And for that, Father, we give thanksgiving and we give worship to you. Father, we also recognize that we are not the only church gathered this morning around the city, around the state, around this country, and around the world. Father, this morning we want to pray for uh, Faith Baptist Church up in Breeze where Mike Paul is preaching this morning. Father, we want to pray for, for this local church and, and pray Lord, that they would be edified by the teaching and preaching of the word that they will sung, giving much praise and honor to you. And Father, Lord, we pray for Mike, who is one of our own, and, and pray, God, that you will equip him and help him to speak boldly and clearly your word this morning, to build up the saints there of faith and Father, Lord, we just pray for you. Father, Lord, we also want to pray for our International Mission Board missionaries around the world and the work that they are doing. Father, in particular this morning, we want to pray for the sub-Saharan Africa missionaries and, and people groups, Lord. We we want to pray, Lord, that the gospel would faithfully go out and powerfully go out there in the sub-Saharan countries there in Africa. Father, Lord, we pray that uh, the missionaries would be faithful and bold to declare the gospel, Lord, we pray that you would prepare hearts to even receive the gospel so that people will And repent of their sin and trust in Christ as He. Father, Lord, we we pray, Lord, that you will build these churches up so that they too may come to the maturity of faith that Paul's been writing about to the church in philosophy. Father, may these brothers and sisters grow in maturity, grow in knowledge and depth of you, so that they may worship you rightly. And Father, Lord, we want to pray for that same truth. Drawn to you to worship you more to see just how loving you truly are to wretched sinners such as us. Love so amazing, love so divine. Thank you, Father. Father Lord. We also want to pray for our church body. For needing you have loved ones struggling with COVID, Father Lord, we we just pray for. may have mild and no symptoms, Lord, and heal quickly. Lord, we continue to pray, Lord, that you would eradicate this virus from, from the world. Lord, you are capable of doing so. And Lord, as long as you allow it to go, teach us what it is you need to teach us. Teach us to humble ourselves, to count our days uh, as but a vapor, knowing that today we We are born, tomorrow we die. There is a time for birth, there is a time for death. Help us to number our days, O God. Living full to you, God, we pray when we ask these things. Be with us now as we turn to the preaching and teaching of the Word. Use me as your mouthpiece, O God. Help me get out of the way so that I may build up our church according to your holy word. We pray in the access, in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, it is good to see you all this morning. So, uh, let you in know a little bit of the, of the Ryan Household. One of our favorite things to do when we're not here on Sunday morning and, and not having to work or do other things is family dance parties. Sorry to no apologies for me. On that. Amen. <laughs> but one of our favorite songs to dance to is a song called Family by Drew Colton and the Neighbors. And, and here's a little bit of the lyrics that made me think about this and want to point our hearts to it this morning. It says, you don't choose, them, you can't lose them. We all have a song to sing. Some are crazy, some are amazing. All got a little bit of Family, sons and daughters, family, like a photograph, family, baptized in the water, family, put me on the map. In thinking about that song, I I couldn't help but stop thinking about the fact some are crazy, some are amazing. All got a little bit of everything. But even more importantly, you don't choose them, and you can't choose them. We're kind of stuck with the families we have. Uh, We all have a little crazy in that family, and we can't get rid of them. Uh, some of them are your spouse, some are your children, some are your grandparents. You, you pick which one you want to focus on. Is thinking about that, but more importantly, have you thought about the roles and what we've been chosen in, in Christ? We can't change, but how do we live faithfully in those roles? How do we live faithfully as a father, as a mother, as a child? How do we live faithfully as a husband, as a wife? How do we live faithfully as a servant or a master? How do we live faithfully as an employee or an employer? That's where our text points our hearts this morning, and that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. So over the last six weeks, we've been opening up the book of Colossians and making our way through it. We've seen that Christ is sufficient, that he is the one who is above all, that he is the one who is supreme, he is the one who is defeated, that he is the To shame the rulers and authorities of this world and the spiritual world. He's over all, and it is in him and him alone that our salvation is found. Our salvation is not found in aesthetic or added on legalism, added on rules that somehow save us or or put us in better favor with God. No, it is Christ and Christ alone, is what we then see. But how do we walk that out? How do we live that? And that's where we come in Colossians 3, verses 18 through 4 one this morning. Uh, just a, a little note, if you've never thought about this, the, the chapter and verse numbers were not there in the original language. They are not uh, definitive. They're there as guidelines. So, so even as we're going in 4-1, just because it changes a new chapter doesn't necessarily mean that the thought process is changing. Uh, that's just something that was put in and added so that I can point you, go to 318. That little subscript is just a directive. It's not the final of how the Bible is meant to be broken up. So if you've never thought of that, you're welcome. If uh, you have to read it again. I'm sorry that I'm repeating it. But it is just a little helpful piece for us as we think about this section. So there in 318, hear the word of the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with him. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Fond service. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for me. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. There's a lot in this text. And just a, a forewarning. Point one is very long. 2 and 3 are very short. So do not get discouraged when I'm three quarters of the way down and I'm still on point point 1. So, with that said, if I, I read and studied this text correctly and understood the main point of the text, which is, if I'm doing this whole preaching thing, then the main point in the sermon is this. Christian, regardless of your life status, you are to live unto the Lord in serving Him. Very simple. Christian, Regardless of your life status, you are to live unto the Lord in serving Him. And we're going to unfold this in these three points. Living out the gospel in our various life stages, point number one. Point number two, living out the gospel and living to the Lord. And point number three, living out the gospel. non-parents. We're retired versus still working versus third shift versus able to to have a, a comfortable job. We're all at different stages, different economic stages, different life stages. But we're called to live these out faithfully. And so, as we walk through this, I'm going to walk straight through in the order that the text gets started with WISE. So looking at 318, WISE Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands. So women in the the culture of the New Testament would have been ignored typically culturally. And yet, notice here, it doesn't start with husbands. It starts with wives. This is giving much respect and actually overturning the social norms of the culture in addressing women first. So, so even as we think about this call to submit, there's much dignity and respect and value that are meant to be given to the wives here, given to women. It's not saying that you submit because you're not worthy. It's saying, look, I'm putting you first because the gospel overturns all of this. It overturns everything. But even in that, let's look how they're called. Why? Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the world the first wife, Your submission, your first submission is to God. It's to God above all. So there is nothing that God has said that you as a wife are supposed to submit that overturns what God's already said. It's in line with what God has said. It is in line with how God created the role of men and women and husband and wives. This submission does not overturn any of that. It fills it and it brings honor to God in what is being driven. Second, one common misunderstanding is that then women in general are supposed to submit to men It said that is not what this text is saying. So if you have misunderstood that or if that is the way you have been taught, that is not the way the Bible is saying it. It says, why submit to your husband. There's not in general women submitting to men as it is wives, submit to your husbands. This is what is right. This is what is fitting to the Lord. Third, the wife submits in giving respect, dignity, and honor, and value to her husband. She is a helper. In Genesis 2, 20 through 23 we read, But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it to a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Yes, wives submit that they are a helper to their husbands. That means sometimes their job is... Husbands, get ready for this. Our wives are to rebuke us, to admonish us, as they're our helper, to point us to Christ. Our wives are not called to submit in not sharing their thoughts, opinions, us listening to them, men. But they're called to submit in that honor and dignity. They're called to submit in, in giving honor even if their spouse is not a believer. They give them that honor and respect because they are made in the image of God. Because they are of one flesh. That's the goal here of submission. It, it's not a, a door mat. It's not meant to, to undermine. It's meant to uplift these wives in their role. They are to be seen as helpers, laboring for the good of themselves, their children, and in particular, in this text, their husbands. They are to labor and as that helper, to is calling. Fourthly, going off of that, this idea of submission by no means, and I must address this as a pastor because of the ongoing toxic culture within the Southern Baptist Convention of Abuse. By no means does this give room for abuse. If there is a case that is made known within this church, we will cooperate with local authorities. Submission is not a call to Men within the Southern Baptist Convention over the last 10, 15 years have been being exposed as verbal abuse, spiritual abuse, and physical abuse of wives, and trying to make this verse what drives them in, and, and the wives having just meant to like it. Sisters, if this is the case you, I'm sorry. If you know of somebody, I am sorry. That is not what the Lord is teaching here. The call is love and dignity and respect and value. And that is where we must stand as a church. <clears throat> Abuse is not to be tolerated in this understanding of submissiveness, of submitting. Therefore, lastly, as we think about this. We, we think about the idea of submission of the bride of Christ, the church submitting to the king. This is really what this is about. The role of women submitting to their husbands is a model of how the church there in Ephesians 5 22-24 is called to submit to Christ therefore a wife submits to her husband modeling the very gospel why is your submission to your husband is one of the best ways to model the gospel for women, whether it is reaffirming their faith in Christ if they're their believer, or leading them to Christ as we see in 1 Peter 3 these are the ways Faithful model of gospel at home, as in your role as wives, is one practical way you can do that. The idea of submission here is the idea of living out the gospel in light of the gospel, in the power of the gospel, in wives. Therefore, live it out in such a way that brings honor and glory to Christ. But no in essence, miss the call as wives. You are valued and loved and respected and to be respected. If I've not already been part enough in that, look at the call of the husbands here in 319. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. So the wives have their return. Husbands, now we have hers. The call is to love our wives. The, it, it's often talked about the four different loves and. and the just to be clear, this is the adopted permanent, forever love. So, husbands, we are to love our wives fiercely, compassionately, and forever. We're to love them, respect them, and care for them. It says even there, do not be harsh with them. So, often, when our, our, we're tempted to be angry with our wives, how are we handling that? We're to speak and care for them with gentleness and love. We're to care for them in as Ephesians 5, 25 through 31 reads. Husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Brothers, we are being called as husbands to love our wives in this way, sacrificially, in ways that nourish them and build them. To, to nourish his need, to build up, to help them grow. How are we as husbands coming alongside our wives and pointing them to Christ? How are we leading our families in this? Our wives' sanctification is important to us. That is, they're becoming in 320 children. This is pleasing to the Lord. You want to be faithful and please the Lord. Obey your parents in a sense of obeying what they have told you. Now, again, a nuance has to be given for children as well as it did for wives. There is no tolerance of abuse and disobedience, whether it be physical or sexual abuse. Again, it's on the rise. I constantly read through Twitter and Facebook different stories every day of another church exposed to this kind of heinous abuse of this passage. It is not tolerable. It is not God. It is not honoring to Christ. And this obedience by no means is that. So, whether in this church or we hear of it, again, we report this to local authorities. We let them deal in sin and be dealt with in the fullest extent. Of we are called to, because that is not taught. The obedience here for children is meant to be easy and loved because of what even follows for the fathers. It is meant to be cared for. They are little children we love and cherish. And we want to be known as a church that rightly takes these things. And praise God for the boundaries we set up in our nursery and protecting and doing background checks. This is why. Because of the abuse of the passage. We take these things seriously because we love Christ and we love our husbands. Again, this comes back and is even shown here in the address of fathers. Verse 21. Fathers, do not revoke your children, lest they become discouraged. In the same way that as husbands we're called to build up our wives, the same way as fathers we are called to build up our children. Too quick and easy and, and I must. Underfoot and not cooperating, it's easy for me to get frustrated and to want to raise my voice. But the goal of our discipline, the goal of our parenting is to build them up, to point them in the what it means to be in Christ, to point them and nurture them, to nurture them in that mission of the Lord. So, as fathers, then we are not to let our, our angels. father need to discipline, then let us go cool down if we need to, and then come back and do it with patience and calmness. That's the way of a father. Listen to this quote from Paul Turley in his book Parenting. When you are frustrated, mad, discouraged, unkind, abusive, bitter, joyless, vengeful, or irritated as a parent, you don't so much need to be rescued from your children, you need to be rescued brothers, and even you as sisters as mothers, this quote needs to take in the heart. Because our children are often on the issue of their own selfishness and wanting things to go the way we want and smoothly. We're more concerned when our kids obey outwardly than inwardly. The goal of parenting, especially that of fathers here, is to call fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. It's to build up To edify, to point to Christ. Therefore, I would be less concerned about our hour, and you can remind me of this and hold me accountable the first time you see me do it. I would be more. Our will show they're going to be the ones that see where we're most hypocritical at, fathers in particular. Our children will see when we are most hypocritical if we do not act and follow what we teach and preach at our children. So let's not discourage them and fill them up. Now, 22 through 4 1, I'm going to combine here together bond servants and masters. So, the, this word, bondservant, is it, translated that way to try and be gentle in the translation. The, the translation right says slaves. Now, we had this idea of slaves and masters. And what comes to mind for most of us in, in the American evangelical circle is thinking of slavery in the sense of how it was in the 17th and 1800s here, and with it, a European slave church. First and foremost, that is not what was being addressed in the time of the Bible. Yes, there was wicked slavery, but there was also slavery in the sense of indebtedness—that people had to, because of debt, volunteer and work for nothing just in order to survive. In fact, this is the case if I remember correctly from hearing in India. There's three caste systems in India where one class, the lower he is still impoverished, they're still indebted, and they will never get out of that system because they they are not impoverished and in debt. So therefore, they have to work at, as household slaves. This goes on in the Middle East and in other parts of the world. In fact, recently had heard of a or somebody who was a Muslim, they coming to Christ who was a household slave, because Christians have her as their slave and yet the way they treated her and cared for her that's the, the type of system that's being addressed here first and foremost second the, the bible neither affirms nor denies slavery in this sense so slavery is not something the bible is affirming here as being right in fact in our scripture reading, we already said it, that if they could gain their freedom they should this is good and right. So so as I walk through this, just I want to set these barriers. So, walking through this, 22, bond servants, obey in everything, those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So those who were as slaves, as bond servants, were called to obey, just like children Obeyed in everything. They were to not be people pleasers in, in the aims of, of only doing it when their master was looking, but sincere hearts. That means when they, no one was watching, no one was looking. Now, jumping to 4 1 Masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Masters are called to treat justly and fairly. So here, in these two verses, we see what we experienced coming back to the American culture of slavery was wrong, brothers and sisters. If you do not know the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, we were founded upon saying that slaves were affirmed in the Bible, and that is not what this passage teaches. We come as Southern Baptists from a road in which we need an ongoing. We were founded because of affirming the slave trade. And 4.1 makes it clear, justly and fairly, it is not in affirming that of the slave trade in which people were stolen from their homeland, in which people were abused and locked in shackles in holding cargo areas, unfit and cramped, where they would lied in feces and vomit and hunger. This is our past, and this is what we have to continue to repent of as a convention, as local Southern Baptist churches. This was not affirmed, and God called us to be let us think this way. Lead us to repentance, because that's not what's being affirmed here. Coming back to that, and this is why I'm not making the jump right here to employees and employers, because I want us to see the gratitude of this. I will point too come back to employers and employers with this idea. the seed see that wait. This does not affirm that kind of slavery. It calls us to live these things out because of our master in heaven. We too have a master in heaven. What if our God treated us this way? Brothers and sisters, think if even our God treated us the way we deserve. We deserve judgment and condemnation. And yet, He has loved us compassion. He has freed us from the bondages and brought us from death to life. And that's where I want us to turn in these last two points. Because in the first one, we're seeing that we have a variety of household roles. We have a variety of places we are in life. And the gospel calls us to Act upon all of these in a way that honors Christ. The verse points two to three reaffirm here's why. Here's why all this matters. Point number two, living out the gospel to the Lord. Turning back to Colossians 3:11, it says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Because Christ is all, and in all, and we who are in Christ are called to live out according to Christ being in us. That's why all of the these matter from point one. It matters because Christ is to be in us. Christian, how are we living in the roles that the Lord has given us to the glory of God? How are we living faithfully in these roles, whatever those roles As your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. So, whatever we do, whether we're an the employee the employer, whether we're a father, mother, whether we're a child, whether we're a cousin, whether we're a wife, whether we're retired, whether we're still working, whether we're a third shift or the luxurious office shelf. whatever role we've been called to, we are to do unto the Lord. Christian, how are we living? Are we the best employees? Are we using our time wisely and not carelessly so that we can honor Christ? Because our work, our jobs, our roles are meant to glorify God. They're meant to be done into Him, not for the sake of others. Even going back to parenting, our, our job is not for other parents to think highly of us. It's so that God can be glorified. In your retirement, how are you using your retirement? Is it to to enjoy people, please, or is it to make much of that use of time to the glory of God? Let's use these all unto the Lord. Finally, living out the gospel and life of our inheritance. There in verse er, 24, we see you will receive the inheritance as your reward, and then 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. Here, we do this. We live this out. Because not only is Christ our master, our king, he's called us to share in his inheritance. He has called us from these things to have eternal life. He's called us to share the inheritance of the new heaven and the new earth. He has called us as Christians to share in all of that. This is why we live this out. Because of what we have in Christ the whole laid out for us in heaven as we saw back in Colossians 1 is this comes inheritance. And this is why we live out our Christian lives faithfully. But this does come with a warning. There in 25, the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. The wrongdoer. First and foremost, brothers and sisters, every one of us stand accused and wrong, apart from Jesus. There's not one of us that deserves to stand before our holy God. We have all fallen short sure of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death. That's what the wrongdoer deserves. And yet, the hope is Christ. Those that refuse to look to Christ will be sent to an eternity of hell separated from God. And yet, all that Jesus calls us to do is to look to Him, to look to this hope of inheritance. It, it just so happened in my devotional for yesterday. Here's what Charles Spurgeon wrote in The Promises of God, Devotion. Only a look will we not turn to look at once. We are to bring nothing in ourselves, but to look outward and upward to our Lord on His throne, to where He has gone up from the cross. A look requires no preparation, no figure setter. It needs neither wit nor wisdom. Wealth and restraint, all that we need is in the Lord our God. If we turn to him for everything, that everything will be ours and we will be saved. Brothers and sisters, this is the richness of our inheritance, this is the richness of the power of the gospel, and this is why we live out our rules the way we are called to. Because it is this Christ who died for our sins. So that we may live, may it be to this We lay down our lives for and follow obey He has loved us much, church. Let us see and praise to Him and let our lives be a matter of living that faith out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways that you have loved us, that you care for us, that we as your creation are valuable. Lord, you, you are amazing, and and even now, I don't know that I have the words articulated clearly. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. We thank you for the love that you have shown us in Christ. We thank you for the love that you have shown us, even in our, our design goals that you have given us. Lord, help us to live these out faithfully. Help us to make an impact in Central City and Centralia and Southern Illinois and the ends of the earth, so that we may make much of your name because of the great love you have shown us in Christ. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.